Hello and welcome to this episode of the Get Your Film Fix podcast. Yes, it is a special episode indeed. I am Lee Carlo, joined by Jeremy Fisk and very special guest, one Vito Corleone. Thank you, thank you for having me. It's interesting that we ha- were able to get him on the podcast, um, considering he's been dead for 70 years, but here 70. he is. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, I guess they're right, yeah. I was thinking more Brando, but yeah, yeah, if we're going with the actual character. Yeah, the character. <clears throat> we have to be specific. We're not talking to Marlon Brando. We're talking to Vito Corleone. Uh, Chapin does intend to do quite a few impressions throughout this podcast. I'm sure um, Jeremy and I will chime in with our own at some point or another. But we're going to discuss, heading into its 50th anniversary of release, Wow, Francis Ford Coppola's The Godfather. Uh, I'm going to put some pressure on Chapin in, by saying that it is the 50th anniversary to the day. March 24th, 1972. Oh, no problem. No problem. So, uh, f- for those of you who don't understand how podcasting works, today is actually March 21st, and we will release this uh, in three days' time, which gives Jason some time to put it together. I'm, I'm old Al Pacino. <laughs> this is what I used to sound like before I ate too many cigarettes. <laughs> Yeah, when did when did he start eating cigarettes instead of just simply smoking them? Yeah, I think I think there's a point at which he got confused and thought he had to literally inhale the the actual the cigarette. Yeah, the whole thing, and, and something got stuck down there. It happened yeah. around like it happened. It started happening. I probably I feel like the the production of Serpico must have been tiring because that's where he started eating them. Although he still was a little whiny and. Dog Day Afternoon. Which one came? Oh, he's he's really whiny in Dog Day. I he's think really Serpico was later, right? Sir, uh, what does he say? It doesn't matter. Attica. A little off track here. Um, all right. There, we're, we want to talk about The Godfather, which is arguably oh. one of the greatest movies ever made, if not the greatest movie ever made. And I'm a fan of man! <laughs> more impressions. Uh, we've gone down this road road before, guys, with movies like Jaws, Citizen Kane, classic, um, classic, you know, Black Hat, you know, the great movies of all time, and they're tricky to review because we can just sit and gush over everything that's great about it and why it still holds up and what was great about it at the time, but that doesn't maybe you can doesn't really make for a particularly interesting podcast and you know sans any of us disliking this movie i don't think we're going to have a lot of disagreements although jeremy's hinted at maybe he hates this movie which might take the mantle as his worst take over the gene Kranz take but well, well i mean you guys didn't see. really you both had a lot of negative things to say about citizen kane so i wouldn't sell the idea of this being an interesting podcast out yet that's a good point um I did want to do something to structure this a little bit like what we did with Jaws, where we try to frame our conversation about the movie and outline it surrounding some things that maybe we think are wrong with it. And I did bring a few things to the table. I'm not sure if you have any, you guys have any to add. But before we do that, I, I am curious what you guys like most or love most about this movie. If there's something specific, whether it's a scene collection of scenes, performance, whatever. I'm curious, you know, what's what's the best part of The Godfather for you guys? So we're um, going with the best before we start? Well, just briefly. Nitpick. I'm just curious if there's one thing in particular. I, I, I'm i a really big fan of the underage nudity. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that's It's funny. That's what I had as something that doesn't work, but go on. Uh, okay. Um, no. <laughs> I, well, I mean, everything about The Godfather is great, uh, but I think what I think I like the most is this idea, this story of the passing of the torch, the the son inheriting the father's sins, um, I think is fascinating. And then, you know, I don't, I was trying to remember if, if like, did, you know, was there all, is there a Godfather 2 book? I mean, like. Did they know they were going to make a Godfather 2? No, I don't, I don't really think so. Know, but the sort of the saga of Michael Corleone, I think, is really interesting. It's sort of less <clears throat> done, much less 
well in Godfather 3, but I mean, it'd be kind of cool if we were able to review all three of the movies. Um, but I, you know, like this, this is really Michael's story. And to me that I kind of stood out this time. Uh, but, but this idea that this, this, this innocent kid comes into this family and, you know, one of his first lines is that's my family, Kate. That's not me or something like yeah. that. Well, is he yeah. ever really that's innocent though? That's that's an argument to be made. I mean, he's a war hero. He's like he's, he's war probably hero, yeah. done some stuff in 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 the old war. You assume that. Um, well, I don't know how he, yeah, I mean, he knows what he, his fam. He knows what his family is. He grew up there. He's not that innocent. He just tried to stay out of it as best he could. Which well, I think it's an interesting that great of he didn't do that great of a job of it. Well, it's an interesting theme, right? Like I think, it, and it's one that I find really interesting about the Sopranos too. I mean, a lot of mafia stories, you know, like you know, family is a part of this. Like you know, this the Cosa Nostra is is structured on this idea of a family, and um, you know how responsible are the people in it for their actions? Uh, but but. I like the idea of an, a somewhat innocent Michael, although I think that's a nuanced opinion, Jeremy, and I like that you brought it up. A, a nuance, uh, uh, an innocent Michael, you know, essentially taking over, taking over for his father and going completely against his wishes. Um, I mean, what what Michael does at the end of the movie is is w- exactly what I think Vito didn't want to happen. He didn't want well, more <clears throat> and agreed and with the families that it wouldn't happen. Right. He, he said he wouldn't start a war or wouldn't start any bloodshed. Well, it wasn't even it's not that he didn't want him to start bloodshed necessarily necessarily. He just didn't want Michael in the business. And which is I think No, but he goes right. what Lee's it's, point is he goes to that meeting and he said he promises not to shed any blood and mm-hmm. and he doesn't not to start anything unless something happens to Michael and nothing happens to Michael. Michael anticipates that they're going to come at him. Um, and instead of letting that happen or, you know, making himself safe, he proactively goes and kills everybody <laughs> and then moves to Nevada. So Jeremy, is there anything particular that you love about this movie that you want to bring up? Not really. Okay. Oh my God. <clears throat> because I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. My, my whole thing was I was going to try to like sell you guys on the fact that I hate the yeah, movie. No one would believe you. But and then see how long it's it took before you guys all called <laughs> bullshit only because I thought thought it would be more interesting. Uh I but mean, I it guess definitely that's kind would of be. that's kind of your approach to this podcast at the beginning anyhow Lee, is to find the stuff that uh that you don't like about it, which is is really obviously far and few between. I you know I was just worried we're gonna sit here and fillet well, the movie for an, an hour. Um, so and I like too. My, and so I I thought totally I'd approach this as a little bit as like almost like what you were trying to do, Jeremy. Where like I'm gonna try to defend the idea that some of these things are, are problems so if we with both the movie. Had, if we both had done this we would have we'd have two against one against <laughs> Chape, the godfather Chapin head would on, explode <laughs> on get, get your film we anyone that wa- was listening to us would yeah. immediately turn it off forever well um, i, w- I want to start if, with if Michael, i had to yeah. okay but if i had to pick like what i really like about the movie like more than anything else it's the it's the subtleties in which the the motiv the subtleties in which they portray the motivations of the characters and the, their weirdly universal appeal to why everyone's doing what they're doing and you're like you as a audience member sort of understand it and can empathize in a lot of ways and put yourself in that situation whether it's like you know whether it's Sonny reacting to his sister being, you know, beat up, um, even though you you know that Sonny's, you know, like the and also how the the characters within the story utilize those those motivations against mm-hmm. or for, and it's it's just brilliant in that way. And I think that's what its biggest appeal too is. Everyone can kind of be like, yeah, well, you know, if I was in that situation, what would I do? Do I would, you know, because there is this. 
one this thing with the Godfather where there's sort of like a weird I don't know what the phrase is not moral superiority but like uh a, a like even though you know everyone's a bad guy you kind of like they do they they have some justification and you yeah, and you sure. sort of there, understand there's, there's it. There's a lot of reverence for the characters. Yeah, and maybe that's uh, mm-hmm. it's something we could argue against too because they are you know horrible people. Yeah, but they you know they talk about it's you know at first uh Vito says, you know, you know it doesn't make any difference what someone does for for a living, but I just I don't want to be involved with narcotics. It's a little dangerous. And, you know, he's, it feels like he's taking like the moral high ground there. You know, he's not judging anybody. And then like the same, the the same thing gets brought up later on in the movie at that meeting where they, you know, it's a sort of says exactly what you're, what you're pointing out, Jeremy, when they say like, all right, so we're going to allow the narcotics, but it's going to be controlled. Keep it away from schools. Leave it to the blacks and the and the Spanish or whatever, they're animals anyway. So these are horrible people taking the stand like, oh, we're gonna be we're gonna be responsible with making money on drugs. So there is this like moral ambiguity for sure. But the first thing I wanna kind of critique, criticize about this movie <clears throat> is Michael's arc. Like, I love the arc, but does he go from too innocent, as you put it, Chapin, to too like sinister and like conniving by the end I, of this I movie and cold blooded. And not think don't so. worry about the t- amount of time. Just like in this movie, does the is it the same character to you? Is but it the same let's person? Think about what he, let's think about what he goes through. One, first he sees his father, you know, shot and nearly killed, you know, betrayed by people. Um, and maybe he wasn't, maybe you could assume he, he didn't understand the business in, in the way, or maybe, it, you know, I think a lot of what Coppola and Mario Puzo are implying in the script here is that, you know, drugs kind of changed the mafia business, right? Like it just got mm-hmm. a lot more dangerous and violent <clears throat> and maybe he didn't understand. I never, I never caught that in this as like as, as much as I caught it in like, say Goodfellas the change in the violence because because specifically of drugs. Well, I think well, I mean, that's why they, they took down Vito or tried to because, you know, he refused to help them get the narcotics business going. Right. They wanted the all his the people he had on his stuff, payroll. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, but then, you know, so he, he wouldn't, you know, he's his father is is you know, nearly killed. And then he has to go to Italy to hide after he executes, um, the chief, the, the, the captain and, and Salazzo. And then his, his wife who he falls in love with is killed because of him, you know, in an effort to try to kill him. And then his brother is killed. And so he comes back and he has all that stuff that's happened to him. And, you know, he sees, that he needs somehow like the power kind of just falls to him and he sees that his dad is no longer has the ability to, to handle the business or has lost his edge. And and and, and same with his brother. It's made, they make it clear. Everybody's not, yeah. no one's going to go with Fredo. I'm going to pull me a Fredo, but not like that. <laughs> I, I just, I just wonder if you, so everything you just said is true. Like you could see how that would change a person. But I wonder if that totally comes across. And that might have a little bit to do with another thing I want to bring up, with, which is just kind of the, the passage of time in this movie and how that's handled and the timelines mm-hmm. and how long it is between things, where everybody is during certain aspects of this movie. And it, it's things as simple as, you know, the, the scene when uh, Vito is shot, you know, it's kind of cut together with... Michael walking with Kay, doing some Christmas shopping. Fredo is leaving the office with his father before he gets shot. Um, and all and Tom Hagen getting kidnapped by Salazzo. All these things are, are supposedly happening simultaneously. 
Like in, but like we, in, a, in an evening, yeah. Right, in an evening. But, of course, they're not because Michael is walking with Kay. She sees the newspaper that says he was shot and calls, and they've been looking. So it's not all happening at the same time. So there's a little, like, little bit unclear about when all these things are happening. And then how much? T- how long is he in in Italy? Presumably a, well, a long time. It says at least a year, long, but I don't know if you guys noticed, but he had a black eye the whole time. Yeah, not long when, enough for his uh, face to heal because Sonny makes a comment when he gets back. Like, right, the he, doc did a good job or something like that. Yeah, well, he had a black eye the whole time and, and Clemenza said he was going to have to be there for like a year. So there's some things there with like the timeline of this movie that I wonder and then, if... And then he's back a year before he goes and sees Kay. Before Exactly. So yeah. what's happening over the course of that time? Why aren't we seeing it? This is the time when Michael is changing into kind of the cold-blooded Don that he becomes. Do we see it? Do we see it happen? I, I for one, and this is kind of in all honesty, think that the weakest part of The Godfather is his time in Italy. Now, that's a little bit separate from what we're talking about, but again, it does tie into what is the timeline of this movie? It's, I, I, don't, know, I, don't, I don't know that I'd go that far. It you we do spend too much time there, I think. For like what like what's supposed to happen to him there? You know, he 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 falls in love, his wife dies, and somebody tries to kill him. You know, that that doesn't need to take <clears throat> that long. But I think it's a really nice amuse bouche for the Italy scenes in the next movie, which are fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I I felt that too, Lee, and it was the one sort of criticism I had. But I also go back to what I said at the beginning that Chapin and I were talking about. And I just, I, for me to buy it, really, which I do, uh, I, I, ne- I don't think, I don't think Michael is all that far off at the beginning. It's just a few, it's, this is, okay, so this is what I think is really brilliant, what they did, because you have a father who is the dawn of of the mafia and instead almost everyone else would write this like i want my eldest son or is he the eldest or is no, Sonny's the eldest Sonny's the eldest no, okay he's the youngest well, I want, he's the youngest yeah i want my son to follow in my footsteps you would think that would be kind of the logical way that they would go but the fact that he doesn't ever want him to do it and that it's a it's it's pains him to see him make that transition makes the transition all that more interesting and it part of me thinks like michael just knew from the beginning he wasn't supposed to be part of this world not that he ever couldn't have been or wasn't primed to be right it's just he was told from the beginning you're going to be a senator (laughs) or a lawyer or whatever he wanted him to be um and he just kind of accepted that fate in fact because you know his family's powerful they can make that happen that's what he's been sort of groomed to understand from when he was little i don't and the fact that he went to war and all that i really don't think it was ever really not there it was just never expected of him so i think that's really interesting and this as you're bringing it up i'm realizing because i've always been intrigued by the way michael tells the luca brazzi story to Kay. And how unfazed he is by it and like the brutality of it. Now, granted, he's someone who's been to war, so like, yeah, maybe he's not phased by violence, but that's a different type of violence. So I, it's interesting. I think you're definitely on to something there by saying like he's not that far away from what his family is. He's he doesn't want to be, he's not expected to be, so he's preparing himself I'm even, to I'm be somebody saying, else. I'm even saying he, there's maybe he even wanted to be. I mean, like you said, the way he tells that story is very, like, matter-of-fact, like, this is part of my being and my existence. And, yes, he, right after he says, that's my family, that's not me, Kay, but mm, do you believe it? Like, uh, even so at that point? question. Or is Are it because I've seen the movie it? four times? That's the thing is, I mean, he gets so much... I mean, he's so much worse than... Like, every, like, I think that's the arc of the two movies. He just becomes this, like, despicable person. Like, he does things that are, you know, like, how how would Vito feel about him killing... Fredo? Fredo. 
Yeah. Yeah. Or even well, or even Carlo, his his sister's husband. I just, but um, I think I, I think that line still works though. In a, in the opposite way, it is intended at the beginning of the first movie. He, that's my family. Okay, that's not me. Yeah, I'm much worse. Is what he could right. add to I, that. That's inter- yeah. yeah, that's interesting. It's interesting. Um. So another. So I guess actually this is this is more of a, I have this question which leads to another potential issue with just some of the clarity of some of the things going on in this movie. Now, the more I watch it, the more things are cleared up. Like every single time I'm, I'm gathering little bits and pieces, which again is a, is a example of the movie's brilliance. But I do have a question still. Um, how does Vito know it was Barzini when he says it wasn't until this yeah. day that I knew that I knew it was Barzini all along? Um, and who set up Sonny and, and basically was the mastermind behind of all, all of this. How did he I know? Think, I think because my I was had that same question. I think because Natalia is looking at him for approval. And he goes to Natalia as a fair, pimp and he realizes it's, it's he like, can't do obvious. anything. Yeah. But. Hmm. Um, now, look, like I give this movie, if any movie deserves the benefit of the doubt about, you know, whether or not the information is is there for you, it's this one, and I think that's the case here. But there, but are... I think also the little bit of intrigue and the guessing and trying to figure it out is part of what makes this movie what it is. That it's not immediately it clear. Back to, yeah, and it goes back to my motivation, like point. It's like we we're, we we try to we're, we're trying to put ourselves. It just does such a good job of putting you as an audience member into their their shoes in these extreme circumstances, even though they're extreme circumstances that they've caused themselves, to try to figure out what you do. And you're also trying in that way to grasp the information around you to use that as sort of the the clues as to uh, what, what you would do in those situations. So I think that's part of it. So how do you guys feel about what I think is, you know, admittedly like, very well integrated, but the the exposition in this movie throughout, like there's a lot of different ways it's done, you know, whether it's something as simple as, you know, at the very beginning when you see all these guys at the wedding, you know, writing down license plate numbers and you're like, what is this? And you get Sonny to come out and, you know, throw some stuff and spit at him and then walk away saying, God damn, FBI doesn't respect anybody. Very simple, very easily integrated into the script to say mm-hmm. like, hey, the FBI knows this is a gathering of a bunch of people connected to the mob. They're going to look I into it. I wouldn't even call that. I, that wouldn't even register as exposition well, to me. Well, that's not sure. But then you have things later on in the movie where – you know, it turns like we learn that Tessio is going to be the the guy that betrays Michael, and he says, you know, it's the smart move. Tessio is always smarter, and there's just these quick lines that are really trying to explain everything that's going on to you. But it's very, very necessary throughout because this movie is pretty, pretty detailed. I think so there I'm are wondering some fum- if it fumbles along the way. You do? Do you have any I examples? <clears throat> um. I think the way they discuss drugs, I mean, it's, 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 sorry. It's, it's sort of hard to, I think this, this, this movie is clearly made in an era where not a lot was understood about the mafia and our sort of cultural obsession with organized crime and specifically La Cosa Nostra, you know, happened after this and, you know, everybody knew who the five families were and blah, blah, blah. Um, and you know, like what's his name? Um, uh, the Teflon Don, uh, John Gotti, you know, that whole era, uh, I think people knew a lot about how that, this stuff worked. So the Godfather had that against them, but you know, and, and I don't know if like in the forties wiretaps were a thing, but the way they talk so openly about stuff is <laughs> right. felt, you know, it's, it's much different than like for example how the sopranos feels and mm-hmm. but that you know, does feel like a technology thing <clears throat> you think yeah you can buy back then that they weren't getting wiretap i don't remember in the second one if that becomes more of a thing but for the first one i, I yeah that doesn't yeah i don't think that was that doesn't bother me at all and, and, and does the, this exposition thing i i that didn't bother that that I mean, I, I guess the reason I bring that, that up is because 
Well, I, I mean, I mostly disagree too. Again, I'm telling the, I'm bringing these things up for point of conversation. But the reason I bring that up a little bit is because there's a couple things. One, obviously, this movie is very, very detailed and complicated, and it takes you know multiple viewings to continuously pick up certain things, and that's all done through you know oftentimes lines of dialogue and sometimes very subtly. And I think that is all about kind of explaining what's happening in, in unique and, and clever ways. But then also I find that there's a lot of things that happen in this movie that are very convenient. You know, Sonny's death, as great as it is, a lot of things had to happen and go right for that to play out exactly as it did. Yeah, and They had to know at that moment he was going to leave and he was going to go that direction. And, there, you know... Well, it has to I, even I start how- with the idea that, like... <laughs> if they're gonna have so f- the way I understand it, the whole wh- whole thing happens by someone calls Connie to make her think that it's someone she that her husband is cheating on her. So she throws a fit. He beats her up. She calls Sunny. Sunny goes to drive over there and gets stopped at the toll booth. Like that's a lot of things to well, go right. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't have a problem with that. No, she. I, got, I don't he, either. I don't have a problem with any of these things. I'm trying to pretend I do, so we can talk about them. Guys, let's. Switch I mean, to I just like I just like using the somebody's personality and personality flaws against them to get them to. Well, I think know, that's br- that's set up the whole movie, which is brilliant. Like they, t- you know, they say, you know, tell Sonny to keep that temper of his in check for now, and you know, all that. Like nobody's, you know. I'm not going to be able to hold off Sonny or whatever. Like all that stuff is set up. His temper and his pension for violence and stuff is all there. So, uh, you know, there's the scene where, where speaking of actual things that don't look very good, or his scene when he's beating up Carlo on the street yeah. and pulling all his punches. That's, that fa- that famous. That's famous for uh, yeah. How bad that is. Um, and speaking of a couple other things that I think are uh, very little and you know insignificant there's a there's a they do this like weird newspaper spin edit thing early on in the movie um actually no it's at the halfway point it's when michael goes to italy and there's like all these newspaper spins being like you know uh mafia war well there's back to the time passage of time thing yeah um there's that really obvious bad loop uh from mo green have you guys noticed that before when he goes Mm -hmm. i I, I spoke to Barzini, and his voice oh, completely yeah. changes. Oh, it was an ADR, ADR thing. Yeah, um, and it's just you know little things like that throughout that we could pick at, but that's all okay. I could come up with. <laughs> what guys? What do you think is the best performance in this movie? Okay, so I'm glad you asked. You do you mean over the throughout the whole movie? Yeah, because I have I have. I was going to bring up a particular scene that I think has the best acting in the movie. And it's just one scene. And I think it might, it's like, maybe is this like the best scene in the movie? Okay. Before we get into this, can I say, can I also say though, that that another negative of this, and it has to do with uh, performances too, but I don't think it's her fault, but I I think it's the writing for Kay. Oh, we should, we should have a a Kay Adams discussion. Because I think her character is so poorly written and, um, sort of one note, and and the fact she just kind of, I don't know, she doesn't well, she doesn't have three dimensions to it. And let's I, have that I, conversation you know, now, yeah, because I should have brought that up. Obviously, first of all, you may be right that it's not entirely her fault, but like, but she's still not great. She's not great in this, but her character is just thin. Like it, she doesn't, she's not given anything to do, and I wonder. I'm curious just like why that is and like what her what is her what is her purpose to Michael? Because I think that's the, her purpose in the movie. Like she serves a purpose her to him. Her purpose to Michael is for us to see at the end that Michael's willing to deceive anyone and everyone. I think that's ultimately her purpose in this film. Just when he lies um, to her about killing Carlo. Yep. Uh but why why is she but, a why is she a like Protestant white woman? <clears throat> Isn't that supposed to be like he brings her home? It's something different or something like that. 
Well, I, yeah, I know. Something different. I mean, yeah, but he's like he falls he falls in love with a Sicilian woman. So in to, Sicily. you know, that's another issue I have is like I, and again, it has to do a little bit with the time passage. Like I don't. I, does he fall in love with her? Like I don't buy that 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 relationship in this movie either. Yeah, maybe it's just a point where he's like, I need to have kids, and right. that's I part think, of the... I think he does. You think he loves yeah. Apollonia? Yeah, I, I think... And actually, oh, I, mean, I, I, think, think, I definitely think I think that's Apollonia, part of three. He, he goes back there, and he and he talks about how... Oh, I don't remember him. three at all. I, well, I mean, I'm not saying <laughs> that like <laughs> you should, but... They're going to clarify that 22 years later, 20... What is that? When was that no, made? but 20, I mean, I think you're supposed 18 to years later. That, I guess. Um, but you, we didn't answer the question, though. I don't think he ever really loved Kay. That's the thing. I don't. At least and, by, but like by Coppola's, the end of this movie, Coppola is doing something with her. She shows up in that like bright yellow and red taxi cab and is wearing that red. It's like a shock of color. When she shows up at the house, at the compound, to be like, what's up with Michael? Yeah, where is he? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I mean, I really... I, I, I don't like her as an actress. Uh, never have. But... Um, I, Chapin, yeah. Chapin, there's more and more actresses being added to Chapin's list that he just doesn't like. Do you want um, to know what I really think it ultimately is? I, I, I think it's just a... A guy director and a guy writer in the 1970s that didn't know what to do with it, trying to figure out what uh, how to incorporate a woman other than just being the simple sort of love interest. But Connie's Connie's a good character. Talia Shire is not very good. I do. uh, Yeah, yeah. But she's a good character. I think it's weird. She's not Italian. I think that's weird. But that's that's definitely intentional. Like you can right, see that why? on the page, why? and why? Because I think it's all about Michael not being part of the like the traditional family line. Like it's he's not doing the same things. I mean, it sets her up to be different and and an outsider, be, and yeah. right, yeah. <clears throat> but I don't which know. is handled in an interesting way in Godfather Three. <laughs> um. Okay, but back to the performances. So can I, I want to just bring up this one scene because I think the, the, the acting, the, the work between the two actors in this scene I think is the best in the movie. And it's when Tom Hagen, Robert Duvall, tells Vito that Sonny's dead. And that scene is just gutting. You know, when he says, like, you know, I didn't tell Mama anything. I was just about to go get you and talk to you, but you needed a drink first. And he says, you know, they, they shot Sonny on the causeway. Like, that is just some incredible acting between the two of those guys. And I don't know. I love Robert Duvall in this movie. I don't know if he'd be my pick for the best performance. I think it's probably Al Pacino. Um, but I don't know. It could I, be Brando I gotta too. Say it's, I got to say it's Brando. I really do. Um, I, I don't know how he pulled that off to be honest. Like, um, I mean, I, Chapin, I don't know. Chapin maybe he knows. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he knows. No, but like he can do it because he's doing an impression of, like to come up with that sort of <clears throat> uh from nothing and and make it work without it being sort of cartoonish yeah is it's pretty remarkable and i think like you say lee like it's not only is he doing that um voice and 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 posture and demeanor but he also has the emotional range in this i mean he he goes through a lot and you see that and you see the wear and the tear of this life and what it's done to him and losing his son and all that stuff you 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 see it so i totally i, I gotta say I, he 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 gives the best performance. and i gave the writing and and coppola a ton of credit too for like creating this character like you know when you see him you know crying and you see him upset that when they when he when they tell him that Michael shot Salazzo and uh, and McClust, McClust, McClusty? McCluskey um, yeah. McCluskey he, he, he like, like sends everybody away like this and you know how upset he gets when Sonny is killed and like that scene at the um the morgue where Chapin you want to do it look at how they massacred my boy 
<laughs> they massacre my boy. Yeah, that was not that good. <clears throat> hold on, hold on. <clears throat> well, I mean, like instead of speculating, we could just ask the man himself. We have yeah. him on the podcast. Yeah. How uh, did you pull that off? All that range. Yeah, they massacre my boy. They, ma- they massacre my boy. Look at how they massacred my boy. Uh, he's slipping. Let's. I got. It. Let's face it. The Don was slipping. <laughs> Ten years ago. <laughs> um. Yeah, Chapin. Who do you think it's Brando? I don't know. I don't know. I don't I know like, either. I, I really like uh, Duvall. I do too. I just think uh, I, I I like. Sunny a lot too. Oh, I love James Conn in this. Yeah, yeah, it's a fun. That's like the fun performance to me. Have you um, ever seen De Niro's audition for, for Sunny? Yeah, he would have yeah, been great. I have. It's really good. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's also funny. Like they all like they all look like they could kind of be our dads, but they're all the 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 sons. I mean, they're supposed to be what? They're mid thirties. That's then? because like. You see, like, like Duvall and and Sonny and uh, not necessarily Michael as much, but even Fredo. Well, that's because we're old now, but we still look at them and they look old. I think people just were older back then. It yeah, was, it was a hard life. Yeah, it was, it was, they lived hard. Um, what else, guys? This is the Godfather, after all. You talk about vengeance. Is vengeance gonna bring back your son? Or my boy to me? (laughs) We're just gonna let you keep going, Chapin. Lines from the movie. You don't like it? There's a a clip. I love it. I would love to just spend the next 20 minutes doing impressions. Like when I was doing my Clemenza. Come here, kid. <laughs> Teach you how to make a really good sauce. You never know when you have what to is, so, cook for 30 guys one day. You get all no, your meatballs another, and your sausages. <clears throat> I could just do this, too. Um, the set design in this is pretty remarkable. It just feels so uncomfortable. And that cinematography. It feels so rich. So this it is... Just, so, I mean, this is like famed cinematography from Gordon Willis. I don't... Like... What's, is he famous for anything else? Oh, he did all the President's Men. I think I knew that. But obviously the look he created for this, and then you're right, Jeremy, just like the the look of the cities and like the, the wide shots of with the Statue of Liberty in the background, like are all so perfectly composed. Yeah, and also they, they're like, they feel the age of the movie. Uh, when it's supposed to take place, not when it was shot. Yeah, that's true. Which is really, really impressive. Um, and then, I, you know what scene I would do want to kind of di- digest or uh, uh, not digest, dissect a little bit um, is the scene where Michael shoots um, the captain and yeah. uh, what's his face? Salazzo. Salazzo. Uh, because I think, I mean, that's sort of the pivotal scene of the movie everything sort of changes after that um and i i I just love how it's done both you know the sound design the uh hiding the gun in the bathroom the way michael comes out the way you sort of feel his his like anxiety and nervousness and and all that like i think it's just i mean if you want to dissect a scene in a film, you know, in film class, or, or say like maybe this is like perfect movie making. It really is that one. What do you guys think about the choice in that scene to not subtitle their Italian conversation? I love it. I love it because then you're somehow here. You as an audience member sort of switch over to like the the captain's <laughs> point of view, eating. and you're like, man, whatever. What's, what do we got yeah. for food here? E- eating is veal that came out in ten yeah. seconds after he ordered it. Yeah. <laughs> I love how <laughs> that is funny, and like there are in this very very serious movie. This is like these very very subtle moments of humor if you want to catch them, and one being. <laughs> The captain's sitting there eating 
well, those two guys are talking serious business in Italian. And they're like, I'm going to speak to him in, ta- in Italian. Go ahead. I don't care. While yeah. wearing his bib. <laughs> Just looks like a fool. <laughs> no, I, I think those, that's a good point that we haven't talked about is this movie does have those those comedic moments. I mean, some of the f- more famous lines, of course, are, are the sort of comedic lines, but it has those moments, which I think are helpful, are helpful in this movie. This movie doesn't feel as dark as it is. It doesn't feel like weighted down or dreary or... What's the word I'm looking for? Like, it's not like you leave it feeling like you left Requiem for a dream, you know? Like, it's still, despite yeah, you it's... you want to just watch it again, yeah. Yeah, you just, well, you, we just want to, you want to live in that world and have it continue. Well, because I think it's Whereas, also just incredibly entertaining. Like, you, the characters are all so good and rich and well-developed, like, all of them. And like you said before, Jeremy, which I think is really great, is like you you empathize with the motivations of almost every character in this movie. Like, to be honest with you, like, you kind of get what Salazzo's saying. Maybe you wouldn't have done things the way that he did him, but he's like, you know, I need him. And, like, look, I <laughs> I, I got to him. What do you – I did what I got to do, had to do. And, like, you just – Yeah, and he's, like, he's like trying to, in a weird way, being like, apologize to Michael in that scene. Michael, you know, like, hey, it is what it is. I mean, he's full of shit, but <laughs> – He's lying, but it is, you know, he is pretending to apologize. But what do I, what do I know how to make a restaurant? That scene is, that scene, (laughs) I love, I love the, like, the whole idea behind how that's, how that scenario is set up. Like, like the way that this movie spends so much time planning for that scene like talking about how we're gonna how we're gonna find out what the restaurant is planting the gun where we're gonna plant the gun what to do after you shoot the guys that scene with clemenza i left it noisy (laughs) he's like then you just drop the gun you get the hell out of there um you know yeah yeah, like everything makes driving to the restaurant where they're trying to lose the tail and he's like you're going to jersey and you're like okay there's some tension now are they actually not going to go to the same place so like all that stuff, all the lead up to that is is you could say is even part of that scene, just building tension, building it, building it, building it, which I think is so good. And the moment, the moment he has to do it, the 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 pause beforehand, and right and when he sits down, he's not supposed to, and like the yeah, and okay. then not him not dropping the gun, not realize you know like all the stuff they prepped him for, and he doesn't do it. So is the moment that he changes, is is it the moment, I mean, it's a great shot where he's planning this hit in the, in the study and he, he says, he, I'll kill them that, both. Yeah. They have that great shot where they push in or they zoom in on him. Yeah. He's got his legs crossed, which is, then becomes a pretty famous, um, sort of his little, his little marquee thrust. Such good chairs in these movies. Yeah. You know, is that the moment he changes when he plans it, or is it, or is it the moment he kills the guy, or is it later when Apollonia dies? I think it's later because while you while you start to see a little bit of it when he makes the decision to do it, and he says, you know, you plant a gun and I'll kill them both. That's not the same person we see kill him, kill them both. Like he, like Jeremy said, like he sits down, he thinks about, it, he doesn't do it right, he doesn't drop the gun right, he's not entirely comfortable living in that world quite yet well so here's it's got to be later <clears throat> which is what i had asked before when does that change happen i don't think we actually see like the actual point when it happens oh and i think it's good we don't see the point it's that it's gradual that it's not that i mean there's so there's these defining moments you can point to but i think less than the violence the the deed of the violence that changes him i think it's the i think it's the when he starts deciding how that violence is going to be undertaken right. and, and my my example would be like well no i don't think so i think even even before that like during that scene they're still telling him hey i'm going to plant the gun this is how it's going to go we're going to do this we're going to do that he's just like i'll do it i will kill them both okay I, that's he's not he's not doing the planning of it. everybody else who's who has more experience is is and he's letting them sort of teach him. You know, he doesn't want to walk out of the bathroom with just dick in his hands. <laughs> um, so all that stuff. He, he's he's listening and and learning and 
understanding, yes, he made the decision, but he's not the one organizing it. And, and then at some point after he gets back from Italy, he stands in the room and decides that what's going to happen, who's going to be involved, and and how they're going to do things. And I think that is more of a bigger change for Michael than even the decision to kill. So here's a question. Before Italy, do you guys think Michael is a confident person? Yeah. I guess that I, I think goes, he's confident from yeah. by the time he as his first appearance on screen. Because he's there. A, I mean he he like think think about it. He's got this like waspy white fancy white woman who lives in Connecticut or wherever, New Hampshire. And he's she's he's bringing her Probably to this Connecticut. Goomba fucking wedding, you know, where you know, it's going to be revealed to her that they are one of the five families. <laughs> Like, but she, to be fair, she doesn't run away. <clears throat> no, she doesn't because she, she loves him. But, but right then, like this is this is the moment when you're like, like I mean, meeting your meeting your uh, introducing your whatever she is, fiance or girlfriend to your family is a big enough moment. Much less than that being the fucking Gorleones. Yeah. So the reason I ask is because you do have several scenes where you see his confidence, like just in the way he talks to Kay. Sure. Then you have that scene when he goes to the hospital and there's no one guarding his father and the and the baker comes and he's like very quick to handle the situation and like, you know, stand out front. And then you have the scene where he says, you know, decides to kill both guys. But the way he does do that and the way that scene plays out suggests maybe he's not quite so confident doing all this. So I was curious because then you get to Italy and he's like, talks to Apollonia's dad very confidently and like kind of just gets what he wants because he can sweet talk him. And, you know, I feel like it's a different type of confidence, but why, if he's so confident through this whole movie, does that scene play out a little sloppily? Well, I mean, it's a huge what, what's hit the, when he kills Salazzo <clears throat> and McCluskey. I, I think the different type, I think Chapin's right. He was confident from the beginning, but it takes a different sort of confidence that he see, gained he, after killing. And he says that it's not like you're you're in the war, you're in the army, and you're shooting from yeah. a mile away. You got to go up and get and bada bing, blow their uh, brains all over your Ivy League suit. I don't know. Back to my point. I think it's, <laughs> Thomas, it's when he boy, decided. This man is taking it personal. <laughs> This is business, and he's taking it very personal. <laughs> like when he decided to become a leader is after that moment. Well, I think the leader. I mean, the moment, <clears throat> the moment Coppola wants you to think is the leadership moment is when he when he's crossing his legs in that chair, and they zoom in on him when he's planning the Salazzo hit. Like that's the moment he like. I mean. Ooh. They, I mean, you, he you basically up. signs up to be part of that world in yeah. that moment. I still don't think it's that's the moment he becomes the leader of that world. I think it's the moment he decides to be part of it. Okay, well, that's, that's fine, too. The difference. I mean, <clears throat> I mean I the know, leader I, part I doesn't come arguments... until Sonny's killed. Yeah, and I think these arguments are, are, are like, go to show you the, the uh, intricacies of this film. In, in the depth of, of this film. The fact we can have these arguments and try to figure out motivations and where they started and where they are and why and like all that sort of stuff. Um, and, and none of us really be wrong. I mean, it's all like kind of, you can interpret it. I think that's, you know, goes to the credit of the movie and the writing. Yeah, this is a good movie. I kind of want to go watch it. Well, I want to do I two. Watch. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to watching the second one because I've watched the first <clears> one, I think, like three times since I've last watched the second one. I'm, I'm yeah. very excited. It's been a while Jeremy, for me, too. I, I told... In, I'm not in the second one, though, Jeremy. I told... A little I told, bit. Uh, You're like the ghost of you is. Yeah, De Niro does the same thing. He just does it. You have to do it in Italian. Um, I, uh, I've seen the first half of part two many more times than I've seen the whole thing because it's so long and I've started it. Um, yeah. But, 
Yeah, it'd be interesting to have a discussion about the second one because there is kind of the debate about which one is better, whether it's the first or the second. I've I've sort of always maintained that the first is better, but I, I have the seen it a lot more times. And then my allegiances switch to the first, and so maybe it'll switch again. I'm... Once you discovered you could do the impression, yeah. That was it. And then there's always the third. I mean, there's three of us. Wouldn't it be great if each one of us liked one, one the best? <laughs> Once they pulled me out. Once I was out. Once I started eating all in. them cigarettes. Yeah, eating I all the had cigarettes. to talk like oh. this. <sighs> you know who's re- you know who also is really good in this is uh, Sophia Coppola. She is as a baby. Yeah. Better than in three. <laughs> Is it true yeah. that like Coppola's reasoning for casting is because it's like such a family saga and he wanted the family thing to come full circle because she played the baby in the first one? She doesn't. It's not no, even, she no, doesn't no, no. Play the Winona same Ryder was supposed to play that part, but then she dropped out, and so she he and cast couldn't the, find anybody the worst else possible second choice. Imaginable. It's just, it's just the sequel to like one of the greatest sequels ever made and whatever. But okay. Yeah. That's it, I guess. If one, why no writer can't do it? Well, yeah, Jeremy, you were wondering, you were wondering why Coppola stopped making movies. Yeah. Ugh. All uh, right, you guys got anything else about movie. The Godfather? This was actually Fine. turned out to be a pretty good, lengthy discussion. I think. Is there anything we're missing? Yeah. We always end up getting to this point. At, we do these podcasts, and then after the fact, we always realize we missed something pretty pivotal. Well, I, I, I have a question. So okay. th- this is this is probably the most influential movie ever made, maybe. Um, debatable, debatable. That's debatable. Well, okay, it's one of them. For you okay. guys, what I- what is this movie actually about? Um, hmm. I like. I don't think it's really family. any different than what I said before. <clears throat> no, it's not about family. It's about it what- is. It's about humans and their motivations and decisions based on those closest to them. I don't. I, I feel like just saying about family almost is like a little bit too well, little too easy. Well, well Jeremy, my, I was what I, I mean by that is for you about you, you know you're always seeing things about the American dream, which I love. But and this opens with a very famous line: "I believe in America." Yeah, I mean, is it about so, yeah, is it about this country? This like, as, I mean, is it about? Immigrants, I don't see is this as about... an American. <clears throat> yeah, I don't see this as an American dream movie. I mean, it's clearly a, a important uh, subject in it. They 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 want to talk about it, but I don't find this movie to be that. Uh, I don't think so either. And I think that's the typical answer to your question, Chapin, is that people say this is like a movie about the American dream and about America. And but I don't it's think not it the dream. Really I think it's about the American. I don't know. American need for power and greed, maybe. Like my whole really thought on the... it being about family is kind of what Chapin brought up about what he loves about this movie is that it's like a father and a reluctant son and, you know, passing the torch of the family business to that person. And I think within that, you get so many different dynamics of what a family looks like. You have Fredo, you have Sonny, you have Vito, Michael, you have uh, Talia Shire, Connie, you have her husband and his introduction of the family and how he'll inherit a certain role. And then you have, you know, Clemenza who wants to break off and have his own family. And just like the what how about this? A family about, tree looks like and how it's built. No, and, how, how about family <laughs> expectations? Sure. Well, I don't know about expectations, but maybe, you know, <clears throat> your your well, maybe it's the same thing, but just like your role. Right. In your family. Sort of yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. Let, well, let's take a step back. I, I think you guys are missing just a little bit of something. The reason I say that is I was thinking about this after I watched the movie and thinking about it for the podcast that, you know, the mafia is this Italian invention, right? And it was imported to this country. Now, if you had this successful, you know, profitable La Cosa Nostra in Italy, why would you, why would it come to the United States? The United States is this land of opportunity. It's this place where you can make your fortune. It's a, it's a place of, of, you know, of, of, of opportunity. Um, and I, I found it particularly interesting because of course, like the United States, 
you know, became what it was. It became the superpower it was after World War Two. You know, like colonial Britain was the ruler of the world, and they were weakened by World War Two. And you know, we came in and we, you know, made a bunch of planes, and we showed how the kind of industry, how industrious we could be. And then the United States became this thing. And this is this is a this is a transition time from the mid forties to the fifties where, you know, there's a lot of money in the United States. There's a lot, you know, it, it's sort of shifting. It's the, the power struggles are shifting to, uh, to, to, in the United States favor. And this new thing comes to the United States in the form of drugs, or I don't know if it's new, obviously it's not new, but like the, 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 the mafia has to make this decision about what to do. And we all know now, and they probably knew in 72 that, Drugs are a huge business, and we we can see the the crime and 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 how I don't know how important drugs become to crime in the next seventy years. And I don't know. I wonder. To, to me, I think it is about that. And and then this. And then if you think about the sequel you know, they're all trying to like, they're trying to go legitimate and they're like investing in all these like sort of foreign entities. I don't know. It's, I, I just, I think it's hard to divorce the American image from this film. Oh, for sure. I mean, a hundred percent, especially when it comes to like the, the diversification of their portfolios beyond drugs and into trying to do legitimate things and beyond violence and, and racketeering and, and the concept of like how the difficulties of, of trying to make an honest buck in America and the best way to make a real buck in America. I mean, it's, uh, it, 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 it's definitely all there, but I wouldn't, it's not that the first thing that stands out to me, especially in this fir- in in the first one. I, I think it's more about the relationships and the in the motivations in the family. Um, to me, I do think that what The Godfather is about shifts when you look at the trilogy versus when you look at this first movie, because. <clears throat> The first movie just feel when once you get the scope of that second movie, when it goes all the way back to Vito coming to America, juxtaposed with Michael's you know continuation of the family. The scope of the first one is just is tiny, right? Like a, it's just this very simple contained story with a lot of extracurricular things going on around it. And it also so, becomes an immigrant story. I mean, it's it's. I don't know that you. Learned, That's what I mean. It becomes so much that more. In the movie that it's that they're that Vito and his wife are immigrants. I don't know that you learn that in the first. I don't movie. know if that's ever revealed in the first one. Um, I I think it it feels obvious, especially once they decide to send Michael to Italy, right? To get him into a safe space that's out of the country. You and he goes feel like to any. Well, you know that that obviously he goes to Corleone, so he know, they know like he wants to go visit the town where his name comes from. But I just think that a lot of the stuff that you're talking about, Chapin, is only present in the first one once the second one especially is revealed. And I think you're completely right, Chapin. I mean, I, I don't disagree that all that all that stuff is there. Um, but it just wasn't the, the driving force for me that I, I, I noticed in a lot of movies. But it also could be because it's, I didn't see this movie now for the first time. And when, you know, it's the Godfather and, and there's certain preconceived, not preconceived, but just like my head, I, I, I think of the movie a certain way already because I haven't seen it for, you know, 20 years now. Um so I wonder. I wonder if I would gravitate towards that, like if I saw it for the first time now. You hadn't watched The Godfather in twenty years, Jeremy. No, no, because I've seen it in the last, like multiple oh, times. Oh, I thought you were saying the last time you years. watched it was twenty years. No, ago. No, no, I'm just saying because it's so ingrained in yeah, in, yeah, yeah. in in me. Um, if if I had just watched it for the first right, time, right. <clears throat> I mean, I think again, a m- more credit to the quality of this movie and the depth and and detail of this movie is that it's 
there's not one answer to this question either. <laughs> like we talked about three, essentially we brought up three different things about regarding what this movie's about. And I don't think either any of them are wrong or not even necessarily one more than the other. Like that's, it's covering a lot of stuff and yes, yeah, a three hour movie, but it feels like a, you know, pretty efficient use of time. Do you think this movie's too long? Again, the Italy stuff may be a little long, but... No, there's never a moment in, the, in this movie that I'm like, get on with it. Yeah. Well, because you always feel like... Uh, nothing just... Nothing feels wasted. No line of dialogue, no conversation, no scene feels wasted. Like, everything feels like it's there to set up what's going to happen or how a character is changing or something like that. You know, and I think that that's... That's what makes this movie so efficient. Even the Italy stuff is so beautiful. You're almost just like uh, engrossed in the in the. Yeah, it's it's spectacular. Yeah. I, I was wondering about the 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 trip to L.A. It, it seems like a weird time to cut away. I mean, it's great, and then you, and it's a At real the beginning. Like, yeah, it's a real like perfect sort of example of of. You know, for those who don't know how this business works, to to understand it, you know, like yeah. you don't give this guy this part, we're gonna cut your fucking eight Johnny million dollars. Johnny Fontaine will out. never yeah. get that part again. Another example of like how time passes in this movie: who and when cut off the horse's head? Well, yeah, I think Al Neary was on the second plane into LAX, and <laughs> yeah, they he were was like, just well, on if standby. You if you don't hear from us, we're gonna you go ahead and you saw that fucking head off that yeah. horse and also and then they just snuck it in the back of his bed without him waking up and right. also you know tom as salazzo says i know you're not part in the muscle end of the business tom you know he but the only way i can understand it is tom called said he's not going to do it here's what you can do to get back at him is he's got yeah. this prized horse that you can cut its head off like there was no other person that knew what would really get to him other than Tom doesn't seem like that's well, really his his game to come up with that that plan no I just see it more as like they ask they go well all right well how was it what was the conversation what do you guys do and he's like oh well you know he loves his you know his horse and then and then well also I don't know he... if he's like specifically was like cut its head off put it <laughs> under its blank his blankets <laughs> wait till he wakes up he's gonna scream yeah, well, it's, you won't it's, wake uh, up when you're sneak in there and put it in his bed. Well, he the because because uh, Schultz or that's his name, right? Yeah, he calls out. No, like, I heard about Waltz. Waltz. I heard about that that band leader story. So that yeah. wasn't gonna work. That would be cliche. So like, yeah. well, what do we do? <laughs> yeah, I heard that story. <laughs> yeah. Also, oh. what did one guy cut off that horse's head and carry it into? It's better is that a couple guys like I'm picturing two, two like mafia hitmen like stumbling trying to carry this horse that's dripping blood well, into put it the, in the bed sheets, not get blood anywhere else. Right, <laughs> that's the difference between this movie and Goodfellas. Goodfellas would have had the scene of Joe Pesci. Like, oh yeah, cutting what, off. What do you, <laughs> what do you want, you Hendry? A, a winger? You getting blood all over me? Get it? No, we need to drip the blood in the like. The, that's that's the, the hoof, difference between the those hoof. two movies. <laughs> the <laughs> the hoof. Hoof. Yeah, I had to hack it off. <laughs> oh, man. And it didn't look like a very clean cut either. It looked like they had... Uh, <laughs> no, it was nasty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cartoon. <laughs> but, but that is, like, an interesting thing a little bit to talk about is just sort of the... The, the cleanliness of the violence? The cl- yeah. No, not the cleanliness, I mean, it's a- but just the prestige of the, wit, the yeah, filmmaking the in this... Compared to the the decisions to to show the in betweens, that you know, right. like I mean, there's never like, there's never a moment where Michael is like, I don't know, like he makes a mistake in a way that's like, I, you, I don't know, you like Henry Henry would or just having fun at a poker table laughing, like there's no, you know, like it's always like right. the serious part of the. I mean, they're different. They're covering different eras of the mafia and different yeah, ranks of too. I mean, yeah. Polly Polly is a captain, as I recall, in Goodfellas, right? So, like, these are all like underlings. They're like guys you don't even see. Yeah, they're not part of the like 
the five families and stuff like that. And also, they're not like Jimmy is not even Italian. Tommy's the only like pure blood Italian in it. That's why he gets made for one second. Yeah. Well, what, I don't know. Did he even get? Did he even get that? No, one he second wasn't of made. Made madeness. No, but 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 Henry Hill worked for the Lucchese Lucchese crime family. So he they, he they were part of the. Who did? Henry Hill worked for the Lucchese's. Yeah, but it's a different so, era too. I mean, we're talking about twenty years later than what takes place in The Godfather too. So they got a little. Yeah, they got they, messier and <laughs> more violent. I just think it's like it's a different. And they had the Rolling Stones. It's just a different movie. I mean. Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up our conversation on The Godfather on its 50th anniversary of release. Guys, this movie came out uh, 12 years before we were born, but to say it's the 50th anniversary of its release makes me feel quite old, I have to be honest. Yeah, and the fact it's only 12 12 years before we were born, it's like, oh, God. Yeah. Well, It's kind of a, we're all going to die one day. Jeremy's having an existential moment. I've been Lee Carlo, here with uh, the honored guest, Vito Corleone. Vito, or as, uh, as, the, as the senator says it in part two, Mr. Corleone. Vito Corleone. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I don't know. Should we just, should we beg for feedback? Or should we just... And we make them the an podcast. offer they can't refuse. Yeah. Hey, send yeah. us some send us some feedback or we'll cut your pet's head off and put it in your sheets. <laughs> yep. There we go. Done. Ah. <laughs> ah. Ah. Listen to listen to me. My my kraut mick. Yeah. All right. That's it. 